16. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those people we talked about last week, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of the shedding of your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. So no one, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us. What your word says to us this morning is difficult. It is difficult to hear and it is difficult to live with. And so would you grant us clarity and humility and a willingness to trust that your voice to us is through these words and full of wisdom. Would you open our eyes and our ears, our minds and our hearts, so that we can receive what you're saying and be changed by it. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, uh, someone will bring me a difficult situation. And in that moment, when perhaps I should respond with empathetic listening or compassionate asking of questions, I instead respond by opining by what I think might fix that difficult situation. And I find that when I do that, people will often respond with a phrase. They will say, yeah, but. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, 
but you didn't really understand. You didn't really listen. You didn't really give me what I needed in this moment. I wonder if the original hearers of the book of Hebrews responded by saying, yeah, but. We don't know the particular situation of these people, but we do know that they were hurting. That is very clear from reading this book. We do know that they were facing some kind of opposition, some kind of threat, some kind of stress, and for sure they were facing a deep discouragement. And so I wonder if, as they heard this book, speaking of Jesus, uh, the king and priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, ascended to the right hand of the majesty of on high, I wonder if they heard that and said, or at least thought, yeah, that's really beautiful, but what about my suffering? What about my tears? What about my sleepless nights? What about all that I have lost and might lose? And if they didn't respond that way, I'm pretty sure some of you do. I'm pretty sure some of you hear all that this book says about Jesus and say, yeah, that's beautiful, but what about? And in Hebrews chapter 12, It's almost like this chapter hears us thinking that, hears us saying that. Because once again, this message turns and it takes the main message of this book and it connects it to suffering. It connects it to those who are ready to give up. And so I want to hear what this text says in response to our yeah buts. And we'll hear what this text says about the why of our suffering and the how of our suffering. So first of all, the why of our suffering. And it's important to note right at the beginning that what Hebrews 12 says about suffering is some but not all that scripture says about suffering. And I start that way Because this chapter speaks to our suffering with a sports metaphor. Verse 1, run the race. And then this text is full of athletic language. And that image is not the most comforting image. It is perhaps not the metaphor we want to hear when we are hurting. And so we need to spend a little bit of time thinking about this image. Even if you're not a sports fan, and even if you're not an, an elite athlete like myself, yeah, that's a joke, that's right, you laughed, you laughed at the right moment, that's good. Even if you're not a sports fan, an elite athlete, you understand the point of this image. It is a straightforward point. Insert whatever coaching cliche you wanna insert. The basic point is that your pain belongs to the pursuit of a higher goal. Your pain belongs to the pursuit of a higher goal. The word discipline occurs throughout this text. When we hear discipline, we think punishment. 
But that Greek word and the context of that word means something other than that. This is not saying our suffering is punitive. It is saying that our suffering is purposeful. And so perhaps a better translation would be not discipline, but training. This text enlists us all in a training regimen. And it says that the difficult parts of our lives belong to God training us, strengthening us, directing us towards his goal for us. How do you strengthen a muscle? By stressing that muscle. And this is text is saying that we experience that in our lives. But still, not the most comforting thing to hear when we are hurting. And so what should our response be to this image? Some people respond to this image with analysis. They want to try to find a one-to-one correlation between the negative experience and exactly what God is doing, saying, or teaching. But that's not the point here. Verse 1 says, run the race, not with analysis, but with endurance. And this book, along with the rest of the New Testament, exhorts us, calls us again and again to patient endurance. Why? Why is that the response to this image? Well, think about it. Think about a 15-year-old junior varsity high school player in the heat and humidity of of summer doing two-a-days. That player is not going to like or understand everything his coach puts him through. But if he has a good coach and he endures, that will lead him to the goal of winning. If you've had a personal trainer or you've done an exercise class, you do not like or understand everything that trainer puts you through. But if you have a good trainer and you endure, that leads you to your goal of being in shape, becoming more healthy. How much more, how much greater is the wisdom of God than that of the best coach, the best trainer. There are things that he will allow into our lives that we do not like or understand. And it's okay to acknowledge that. Scripture elsewhere acknowledges that. But as we respond to these things that we do not like or understand, we can turn to God and we can in the end trust that he is leading us to the goal of making us something unimaginably beautiful. We will share in his holiness, this text says. So, We've been in a season as parents where sometimes the external part of our cars look different than they used to. 
And the external parts of our cars look different than they used to because they bear these magnetic stickers that say, please be patient, student driver. I saw one the other day that said, please be patient, student driver and screaming parent. (laughs) They didn't have those tags when I was learning to drive, but I like that innovation because it sets expectations for everyone about how to relate to that particular vehicle. This text takes that tag and puts it on your life. Whether you are eight or 80, please be patient, student driver. And that sets the expectations of how you can relate to the difficult things that come into your life. Please be patient, student driver. God is strengthening, shaping, and directing you towards the goal of what he wants to make of you, what he wants to make of us. Now, I understand that the words endurance and patience are not the most exciting words to hear. And they are certainly not the most exciting words to hear in relationship to our pain. I also understand and am very aware that some of you have suffered and are suffering to an to a depth and extremity that I have not. And that perhaps when you hear me say the words patient endurance, you want to punch me in the nose. (laughs) So how can we hear these words? And more importantly, how can we live these words of patient endurance? Consider secondly, the how of our suffering. Verse 1 says that we run the race with endurance by setting aside a weight. Again, the image is straightforward. You don't run a marathon in a tux and dress shoes. You have to dress appropriately for the exercise. And the weight that we should set aside is the weight of sin. And what Hebrews 12 says about this reminds me of what an early church father named Irenaeus said. He said, sin is fundamentally haste. Sin is fundamentally haste. Sin is fundamentally the unwillingness to patiently endure. And we have a picture of that at the end of the text with Esau, who sold the future for a moment. And why is that the case? Why is sin fundamentally haste? Well, because sin isn't just behaviors out of accords with with God's law. Sin is a basic posture towards life, including the difficulties of life, that says, I know better. I know better what I should experience when. I know better what I want and need, and how to address what I want and need. Isn't that what Esau did? Famished after a day of hunting, he says, I know better in this moment how to address my need. 
And as a result, he sells away his participation in God's future. And so for us to patiently endure, we have to develop another difficult virtue, that of humility. We have to humble ourselves before the mysterious training regimen of our God. And we have to set aside the weight of our arrogant claim to self-sovereignty and entrust ourselves to the truth that someone else knows better. But still, that is really difficult to do. How do we do that? Well, we can patiently and humbly endure because the writer of the book of Hebrews does something that your English teacher told you not to do. The writer of the book of Hebrews mixes his metaphors. He begins to talk about training in the weight room, but then in verse five, he shifts to the living room. He moves from team to family, from coach to father. And he says, you can endure in the difficult training regimen of your life, not only because it is the design of a good coach, but because it is the expression of the love of a divine father who is shaping you, training you as a son, not just an athlete. Why a son? Is this only for men? Well, no. The family portrait that Hebrews paints is drawn in this text from the book of Proverbs, which he quotes in verses five and six. And the book of Proverbs is the wisdom, the voice of a mother and father to their son. Why a son? Well, because in the ancient context, the son, and especially the firstborn son, would be the one who would receive the family inheritance. Not to increase his personal wealth, but to manage on behalf of the whole family so that the family could grow and flourish. The inheritance wasn't getting more stuff, it was taking on a role. And it's even more in Proverbs because it's not just the voice of a mother and father to a son, it's the voice of a royal father and mother to a royal son. One who needed wisdom because he was taking on the role and responsibility of a much larger family. And if you will receive what this text says about you, it puts you in that kind of relationship to God. You are being shaped as that kind of son in relationship to his family and his kingdom. The truth that God is your father is not only the comfort of his love, it is the privilege of his mission. You are a part of what he is doing and will do. And all of your life, even the parts you don't like and understand are a part of him shaping you for that role in his mission now and even more in the future. And how can we claim that? How can we claim that privilege of being a son of God?
Well, that's what Hebrews is all about. That's what this whole book up to this point has been saying. It begins by saying that God fully and finally spoke to us in his son. The eternal divine son of the father became flesh. And in Jesus, the eternal divine son of the father endured the shame of the cross. And has ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high so that he could call us brothers. So that he could share our suffering, the things that we do not like or understand about our lives. And so that we could be called the sons of God. And so that through even those difficult parts of our lives, he could lead us to glory. To share in God's holiness. I read somewhere, and I can't remember where. Sometimes I scribble things down on my, in my notebook and I forget to, res, to remind myself where I found those things. But scribbled down in my notebook is that someone who had heard a terminal diagnosis of cancer was reflecting on that experience and said there are three possible outcomes in the long term of suffering. In the short term, we grieve. But in the long term, there are three possible outcomes. Rage, intoxication, or growth. Bitter, angry, resentful, numbing with substances, experiences, or change. Expansion of who we are. What Hebrews 12 says to us, not only commends to us, but makes possible for us to respond to suffering with growth. How are you responding? To the pain in your past and to the pain in your present? Rage? Intoxication? Or will you embrace the privilege of being a son of God and receive the training, the shaping of your father? Comedian and actress Tina Fey talks about her experience in the improvisational comedy troupe Second City in Chicago. And she talks about this cliche that comes from the world of improvisational acting. And it's when, and when the audience or another actor presents you with a scenario, you don't respond to that scenario by saying, yeah, but. You respond by saying, yes, and. And that's how we should respond to the book of Hebrews. Yes, Yes, Jesus is the glorious Son of the Father. And because of that, I am also a son. And even the parts of my life that I don't like or understand are a part of him bringing me to glory. Yes, Jesus is the exalted king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. And... 
we are being made as kings and priests of God. Yes, Jesus endured the shame of the cross because of the joy that was out in front of him. And because of that, I can take up my cross and follow him. Let's pray. Father, again, I ask for your help as I did at the beginning. Because some of this is really hard to hear. And I want to acknowledge that there are some who are sitting in this room who are in profound pain this morning. A pain that they don't understand. And so I do ask that your comfort would be close to them, even now. But then I ask for all of us, as we have suffered and as we will suffer, that is inevitable. That is an inevitable part of being a human being. That's an inevitable part of being a Christian. And so I ask that as we face that reality, would you remind us that we are your sons? Would you remind us of how Jesus has gone before us? Would you help us, as this text says, to look to him, trusting that he will keep us and that he will bring us to glory and that all that we are experiencing is a part of that race. It is a part of that journey. And so would you strengthen us? Would you help us to trust what you are doing when we don't understand it? Would you help us to humble ourselves before the mystery of what you are doing? And then would you help us to grow? Would you help us to set aside what would hold us back and look to Jesus? And we pray it all in his name. Amen.